jokes for me today. <laughs> yeah, I got a joke for you. <laughs> uh, um, what do you call a chicken? Nope, nope, not gonna tell that joke anymore. <laughs> what? Why do <laughs> geese have feathers? I don't know, Jacob. Why do geese have feathers? To cover their butt quacks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that, <laughs> welcome to the Be Bold Podcast. We're going to edit over a better joke next time. <laughs> uh, that one was fantastic. I don't know what you're talking that about. That one was, okay, do your welcome. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Be Bold Podcast. We are so glad you are back again with us or joining us for the first time. My name is Jacob, and I'm the Associate Director at Camp Tomish. Again, this week... The f- person across the table is finally back. We are so glad to have you, Liz. Uh, I'm so glad to be back. I'm Liz Kocher. I am associate pastor at First Lutheran Church in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, and we are recording today out at Camp Tomashinka and just getting so excited for the middle school retreat that's happening here this weekend that I will get to help be a part of, I think. Yes, right? Liz yes. is going <laughs> to lead worship on Saturday night, and we have a full full house almost every bed out here will be full we got a 50 kids coming along with uh parents and pastors so it's gonna be an awesome weekend out here at camp what an exciting time and a great segue into how we are equipping our young people in our church uh empowering them in their vocational development so here on the be bold podcast we are uh representing the be bold campaign which is uh partnering with camp tomashinga the central state synod and the oklahoma arkansas synod and here on the be bold podcast we are helping these kids be bold in that they begin, own, learn, and do. So we begin them in this journey of vocational discernment, figuring out who God has called them to be. We help them own their stories. We help them learn about how God uh, is working in the world and is working in their lives. And then finally, we help them do the things that they are called to do. And each week, we have a different guest with us joining us and sharing their stories of the way they use their gifts. Um, And this week we have Josh. Um, So sit back and take a listen to Josh's story. You ready to rock and roll? I think so. Awesome. Do you want to ask hard questions? (laughs) (laughs) Give me some easy ones. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, um, Josh, to the Be Bold podcast. I'm Josh Thede is in Kansas City, and I'm out at Camp Tomashinga. We got him on Skype, so shout out to technology for bringing the world together. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm glad we could connect via technology, even though there's some ice out on the, on the roads, we can still connect, and it's actually a great way to lower our carbon footprint, too, to do our teleconferencing instead of driving out driving back and forth yeah shout out to lowering that carbon footprint josh is really big into sustainability and doing what we can to help help god's creation so i'm sure throughout this conversation we will hear plenty of that um josh why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself to get us started where are you from where'd you grow up and what was life like for you as a child as you grew older in your faith and your work and all those good things yeah so there's a whole lot to go into my short time on earth so far, but um, started out living in a suburb of Des Moines, Iowa. I lived in Urbandale growing up my whole um, childhood through high school and went to Urbandale High School, was 
really involved in, in good at the math and science side and also played in the band all through all four years of high school and um, there was a turning point in my junior year when I took a physics class and this physics class had one two-day segment on acoustics and noise and I just fell in love my mathematic background and my uh, music background came together in that one moment in that physics class um, and I decided I wanted to pursue acoustics I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I started researching colleges as I was as I was going through, and ended up uh, choosing to go to University of Nebraska at Omaha, where they had an architectural acoustics program, where I could learn more about what I initially thought was going to be just concert hall design, but found out it's a big, big world of noise that we live in. Um, so, found my way to Nebraska Omaha. Uh, growing up, I attended a RCA church. Uh, Merritt Drive Reform Church in, in the Des Moines area, and when I got to college, I found a campus ministry. I was really involved with Lutheran, Nebraska Lutheran Campus Ministry, and uh, got to leading that group by the time I spent my five years of college there, and um, really connected with some of the other campus ministries around. We did some joint mission trips over spring break, alternative trips, and had some great times in, in campus ministry up there, and after college, um, I was at a turning point in life again, and I didn't have as clear a direction as the first time when I was um, between high school and college and uh, really trying to figure out what was next. That's actually where I met you, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> That's after college, um, working at uh, Camp Carol Joy Halling. And so... Um, that summer, I only worked three weeks there because, like I said, it was a turning point in my life. I had interviewed for jobs on the East Coast, on the West Coast, everywhere else, and ended up uh, leaving camp early that summer to take a job in Seattle, Washington. So that was my first job out of school. Um, moved to Seattle, Washington to uh, work for an acoustical consulting company and was an acoustical consultant out in Seattle for a couple of years. Um, there's many more stories to dive in about that, but ended up uh, not exactly working out at the at the company I went out there for, and I had done an internship for a company here in Kansas City, and knew I really wanted to get back um, closer to my family and and get in the in the area again. So I ended up taking a, an opportunity here at uh, Henderson Engineers, and that's where I'm at currently. I'm still doing acoustical consulting, um, and loving Kansas City life and and doing great things. I've been here two years now and getting plugged into lots of different groups since I've been here. Yeah, that's awesome. And the big question now for me and probably a lot of people listening, what is acoustic consulting? Yeah, so acoustical consulting. Acoustics is the science of sound. So in that physics class, we were looking at waves and particles and sound is a wave. So um, anything to do with how sound performs and reacts in a building is what my day-to-day job looks like. Wow. So I consult on everything from traffic noise to apartments uh, where you want to have good enough wall and floors to not hear your neighbors, to concert halls, to big sports arenas where you do want to make it loud and, and controlled loud, um, and anything in between. Anywhere you could think of a noise complaint or a noise uh, situation, we work on a lot of schools. A lot of hospitals where it's incredibly important to minimize the distracting noises in our world 
and really focus in on those sounds that get us back to our center and, and recenter us in in the life we're living. And it's important that acoustics support that. So whatever room you're in, it has acoustics. Maybe bad acoustics or good acoustics, um, just based on the surfaces there. And there's a lot of science and physics behind it um, to go into the science of sound and really is a new challenge every day working on many different buildings advising architects what to do and um seeing the finished product and testing the finished product yeah that's that's a whole world that i've never really given any thought to yeah Uh, it's a real niche within the building and construction world so we work with engineers and architects and contractors um are my daily um contacts and and developers that are building new buildings or renovating old buildings and they want good sound in in these buildings and and the variety of problems that that come when when you have noisy systems next to uh spaces that need to be quiet recording studios or or anything like this which i i want to side mention hopefully the technology is holding up and you could hear everything on this end i know i know we're doing doing the it uh out live and i know jacob's got a good setup so uh, acoustics is important and hearing is a very important part of communication too. Yes. Um, what is the, I don't know, the coolest building you've ever done? I'm a big sports guy and you mentioned sports stadiums. Have you ever gotten to do anything with a sports stadium? Yeah. So we're currently working on the design for the Los Angeles Lambs stadium right now. And that's no kind of the, the biggest stuff we do is, is sports stadiums. We've done uh, many other major league baseball teams and and uh, sports stadiums um, involved in a lot of a lot of really cool high end projects. That is so awesome! And so you get to travel quite a bit with this. Yeah, I travel all over the country, uh, generally once or twice a month, um, to you go see a finished product or survey a existing location. California is a really nice trip, especially time this this time of year yeah i would imagine so nice and warm out there yeah i was just in los angeles last weekend um doing a 24-hour noise study they're planning on a new apartment building and they wanted to know how thick their windows needed to be to block the sound from a nearby highway and and train yard so um, we had to do do overnight measurements to make sure people weren't being disturbed in their sleep which has a real impact on everybody's quality of life and day-to-day life yeah that's that's really interesting um you mentioned that your life has taken a couple big turns, and it sounded like when you started getting into this acoustics world, that was one of them. Um, is is that accurate? Would you Absolutely. say? Absolutely. Uh, yes. How did the spirit move move you there? Was it a person? Was it just kind of a feeling inside your stomach that led you to this? Yes. There's been a lot of great mentors in my life, and that physics professor was one of them. He just um, had this way of teaching that really engaged everybody and every single topic he presented in a way that you would really focus and, and make it your passion as well. So I would say the spirit was definitely moving through um, my physics teacher at Urbandale. And it's just an, a, incredible to look back. And I didn't notice it at the time, but there were so many people and influences in my life between parents or my brother and the teachers at school, my friends, my colleagues, the spirit was working through each and every one of them to steer my path 
and I didn't really notice it at the time. I was still making pros and cons lists, and I was like, <laughs> what if it all goes wrong, and I don't know what to do next, and this, there's no clear path. What am I going to do? There's anxiety and worry that comes with all of that. But as I look back, there's this calmness and this energy and this this spirit actually worked through everything going on in my life to steer me in the right direction. And, and I knew that was this God's path for me. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. You gave me, you gave me the goosebumps over here with that. I love when the spirit spirit works and being able to hear that. Um, do you still see it active in your day to day life with acoustics? Absolutely. With acoustics and, and some of my other community groups, um, God is present everywhere. That's, one of the things I've learned moving around the country doesn't matter your geographic location doesn't matter your status if you're a member of a church if you're um, go away from the church for a while God is there God is there and the spirit is always moving in people around you and in yourself in ways that you may not even know how you're affecting other people so um, trying daily in my life to to open up and and be a vessel for that spirit to flow through and be a vessel to receive the spirit instead of it's my way or the highway yeah <laughs> trying to try to really be open to cues and i'll be the first one to admit i'm a sinner and i have gone the wrong way many many times and, and gone down different paths but god has always been there that's that's what's the the neat thing about um how the spirit moves and how mysterious and powerful god really is yeah for sure for sure um you talk about other groups you're involved with you can see the spirit working tell me about those yeah, so as you as we talked about at the very beginning, I'm involved with a lot of sustainability and green groups around the Kansas City area. This has kind of been a passion. Uh, another professor when I was in Omaha actually taught a course about how buildings really impact the environment and, and how much energy we're really spending. And it just really opened my eyes up to, whoa, God's got this big creation, and sometimes we're not being very good stewards of that creation. What can I do Um to be uh, a role model and an activist to, to really advocate for the earth as, as it's a beautiful, beautiful creation of God. So one group I'm involved in is the Lutherans Restoring Creation Mission Table of the Central State Senate. Um, there's a great group that gets together on a conference call once a month and, and discusses some strategies for what ways we can roll out some more green teams to different congregations in the area and what ways we can as a synod and as a individual congregation and as a personal level what what ways we can uh take care of god's creation and make it stronger and then on the secular side of things i just got appointed tonight actually to the be the chair of the sustainability commission for mission kansas and so this is an advisory role to the city council and and another group that meets once a month, and I can really see the spirit moving here also to bring creation care and to bring climate action and environmental issues, as well as be good stewards of um, money and time of, of people in the city to um, really empower our leaders to make the right decisions and, and support um, all initiatives and, and make it well-balanced between the equity of all people, the environment that we all need to drink clean air or drink clean water and breathe <laughs> clean air and the economics of our city and, and how we need to sustain those going forward. So um, in a 
several other green groups around Kansas and, and the Kansas City area and just see that as part of creation care and that's the thing the Bible starts out with is creation. So um, it's been an important part in both my um, spiritual life to get out in creation and enjoy nature as well as um, in my professional life to, to really think about what effect I'm having on people that are in buildings and um, being affected by cities and congregations, what, what we can do to take steps to protect creation. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to hear about you and see you living out that aspect of your faith. Um, it's often so easy to talk about creation care, but um, for some it's so hard to live it out. But people like you just give hope that that there's options, you know? Just ordinary people like us can get involved in our community and in our churches and make a difference. Absolutely. Um, what would be one kind of piece of advice or life lesson you would offer up to to a person who wants to get involved in their creation care um, in their church um, that wants to live that part of their life out? Yeah, so Creation Care has got a great website right now, Lutherans Restoring Creation, and they've also got a faith. Facebook and Instagram and social media presence. They actually just released this really cool new Eco America uh, video. And so I would highly suggest you go to that website um, and get connected. If you don't have a green team at your church, um, seek out at the Senate level. You can contact me or contact um, Noni Strand is, is the leader of our mission table for the Central States area. And it's there's other groups nationwide that do, do creation care. Um, throughout the ELCA and as well as many other denominations and, and are good stewards of the planet. So um, get connected. There's lots of resources out there. Um, feel free to reach out if, if that's something you want more information about. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for your time um, this week and tonight. Um, thank you for being such a strong person in your faith and really living out and taking care of what's got, what God has given us. Yeah, absolutely. One last piece of advice I have for anybody out there that's that's at one of those major turning points. Um, God's not going away. God's going to be there. No matter how far you run in the wrong direction, no matter how far you think you're straying from the path, God's going to be there to set you straight again. This is working through all sorts of different avenues in your life. You won't realize it till 10, 15, maybe 50 years later where that spirit was actually moving. Um you can never run so far as to run away from God. Mm, that's for sure. Um, with that, Josh, thank you so much. Uh, you're a good man. We'll see it. We'll see you around. Great. Thanks, Jacob. Man, it was so awesome to have Josh with us for this episode. Being somebody that I connected with about five or six years ago out at Carol Joy Hauling Camp, and he's been all over all over the states and now he's back in Kansas City and we get to reconnect being in the same Senate again. Uh, just real thankful for his living out his faith through Lutheran's Restoring Creation and all the other ways he gets involved in creation care. Um, and I would definitely encourage any of you listening that if you're intrigued in starting a green team or being a part of creation care at a different level definitely look into lutheran's restoring creation i think you would really enjoy it 
So here on the Be Bold podcast, my job is to help make sense of scripture in light of this theme of vocational development, asking how God's story weaves with our own stories of discernment. And so I do this by taking a look at the upcoming scripture readings for the lectionary. Um, This coming Sunday is the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, and I'm specifically looking at the gospel, which is uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, although Jacob reminded me that the New Testament reading, the First Corinthians reading, uh, was the camp theme from a couple years ago. So we've got some connections there. But um, this Luke text is just so full of the themes of vocational discernment. And so the story starts, Jesus is by um, the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd is pressing in on him to hear what he has to be saying about God. And Jesus sees two boats there at the shore of the lake, and the fishermen were not uh, were not in them. They were out washing their nets. And so Jesus sat in one of the boats, and he began teaching to the crowds. This is a theme we see in the scriptures where Jesus, uh, in an effort to try and get away from the crowds, often goes out and sits, assumes the position of a teacher, um, and teaches from the water. Now, one of these boats, I suspect this was not an accident. Uh, one of these boats belonged to Simon. Now, uh, a ton of readers to Luke will know that um, Jesus, just a chapter earlier, actually healed Simon's mother-in-law. So Simon knows who this Jesus guy is, at, at least kind of. Um, and Jesus uh, asks him to put the boat out a little way from the shore. Uh, and then he tells Simon, after he's done teaching, put uh, out the nets into the deep water uh, and try and catch some fish. And Simon answered, uh, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. And after they did this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so Luke tells us that they then signaled uh, their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so much full that the boats began to sink. Now, this is beautiful. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Because they were all amazed and, and Simon knew what Jesus was capable of doing. But, Simon res- or, but Jesus responds to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and they followed him. So here uh, on the Be Bold podcast, we've often referenced this Beekner quote, and Jacob, help me make sure I get it right, uh, that vocation is where um, your gifts meet the world's greatest needs. And I love this story because it so beautifully and literally embodies this quote, um, the world's greatest needs, Jesus, who was... Um, who was this greatest gift to the world, his greatest need was a boat and fishermen and to be able to show this miraculous abundance. And and what gifts did Simon Peter had? Well, Simon Peter had a boat and he had nets and he had the ability to fish. And so it's in this, uh, in this give, giving and receiving uh, that Jesus calls Simon Peter. I love that we have this call and response, which we see so often in vocational development. Simon Peter says, go away, Lord. And God responds, do not be afraid. 
And I think many people in their call of vocation and in figuring out how God is calling them in their lives, they often resist it and reject it. They say, go away, God. Pick somebody else. Do something else. Go away. And God's response is, do not be afraid. God says, do not be afraid a lot in our scriptures. And I think it's a lesson that we need to take to heart I love this character of Simon Peter, and I think it's important for us to remember the context of these fishermen who were out there. These were the night shift fishermen. Remember, these had these fishermen had a rough job. They were out all night. They were doing a very difficult job. They probably didn't own the boats or the nets, um, and so a night of not catching anything would probably mean that they wouldn't be able to pay their rent that month or to get groceries for their family they were in a really really rough place they were probably right at the end of their rope right beyond their limits and God calls them just a little bit beyond their limits God calls them to try again have a little bit more faith just just a little bit more I think it's important to realize also that Simon Peter would not have been the most usual candidate for a disciple. I think of all the crowd that had gathered there, Jesus probably had his pick of disciples. He probably had teachers and priests and prophets and wealthy people and doctors and business people. He, he probably had his pick of who he wanted to call. And yet he went to these fishermen, fishermen who hadn't even gathered there to hear him. They were just kind of there doing their work. Um, it is to them that Jesus calls out. I think it's this funny moment where Simon Peter uh, goes up to Jesus and says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And I think it's funny. God probably knew that. Jesus knew that. Simon didn't have to explain to him that he was imperfect. God knew exactly who God was calling. It's reassurance that in our vocational journeys, we do not have to be perfect or even perfectly prepared and equipped. We simply have to have enough faith to put in our nets again and trust that God is going to fill them. One of the other things I love so much about this text from Luke is that it perfectly embodies the be bold mission that we have been going for, this begin, own, learn, and do. Jesus takes Simon Peter through this whole process. He begins with Simon and he says, oh, you know, go go try fishing again. He meets Simon Peter exactly where he's at. He meets him on his boat doing the job that Simon is already doing. And he begins him in this relationship with God. And then he helps him own his story. Simon is a little hesitant. He said, well, we've worked all night and we haven't caught any fish. And, and Jesus helps him own that story and says, no, Try again. See what happens. How are you as a fisherman living out God's abundance? And it works. And then Jesus helps Simon learn who he is and how God has called him. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Now, catching people is a really interesting, this is an aside, is a really interesting um model for evangelism and and especially as Lutherans uh, uh, personally catching people is not a mission um, that I particularly like being charged with and so it's the job of the preacher certainly to help um, unpack that a little bit in a way that's appropriate for your context but I think it's helpful to remember that immediately after this story 
Jesus goes on to heal a man born with leprosy or, or a man who has leprosy and then a man born blind. Um, so, so when we talk about catching people, Jesus immediately starts modeling that it means bringing life-giving healing to people, not necessarily entrapping people into the church. Um, so again, you, you can unpack that how you need to, but um, Jesus gives us a model for what it means to be in life-giving relationships with people. But he does help Simon Peter learn what this is going to be. And then finally, the story ends with Simon Peter and the disciples doing the things they left everything and followed Jesus. They do the things that they had learned. They act out the stories that they had just owned and they continue this journey that they have begun with Jesus. So Luke pulls us through the whole uh, be bold mission, the whole be bold cycle. And the last thing I want to point out, um, which I'm not the first comment to uh, uh, notice this detail, but um, Simon Peter and the disciples walk away from boats full of fish. So not only do they walk away from this job that was their livelihood, although it's fair to say probably not a great livelihood, um, they had faith in something better, but they walk away from the life that they had known, but they walk away from a full days and then some catch. Um, they, they walk away from a sure thing. They walk away from, uh, you know, e easy, quick um, income and, and livelihood and money. Um, they don't just leave the boats behind. They leave the boats full of fish behind. And it's a reminder that sometimes in the vocational journeys that God has called us on, we have to let go of something. We have to give something up. Um, and before we started recording the podcast, Jacob and I were talking about in our own journeys what God has called us to left to, to leave behind um, to give up and and we both decided that that was a really really hard question um, and maybe a question that that we ourselves needed to uh, meditate on um, I know that uh, I personally um, have given up uh, certain senses of security um, certain senses of income and of stability uh, you know, and going to seminary um, and, and living the life that I do. Um, and it's certainly worth it. And certainly what I've gained has been really wonderful, but um, it hasn't been without its own sense of loss and grief too. Um, and I'm sure that Jacob can speak to his story in similar ways. Um, so I think, think that that's a fair part of the conversation with vocational discernment is that we do have to leave something behind. We have to let go of something. And we have faith that there's something better, something even more than boats overflowing with fish and that God will lead us to that place. But our challenge for you this week is to certainly, uh, if not share, at least reflect on what God has called you to give up or leave behind in following God or maybe even harder, what God might be currently calling you to let go of or leave behind. Maybe it's a sense of pride. Maybe it's a sense of grief. Um, maybe it's a sense of doubt in yourself. Um, it's really hard to leave behind those voices that tell us that we're not good enough. And yet, you know, that's what God's calling us to do. So our challenge to you this week is to think about what God might be calling you um, to leave behind as you leave the boats and follow Jesus. That's a that's a tough challenge to unpack, Liz. Wow. <laughs> you can have a few weeks to do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and um, 
participating in those challenges and really thinking and growing in your, your faith on your own. Um, as you go through these challenges, feel free to reach out to us um, and tell us, tell us what's going on in your life, what you're leaving behind, or whatever the challenge for the week is. Um, we encourage that. Thank you to everybody who is listening and has reached out to us already and is using and us for Bible study and all those other awesome. tools. Yeah. As, as you get together, I thought of an easier challenge, Jacob. So, th- <laughs> so do the harder challenge, but I thought of an easier one. Um, we have a group of uh, 50 middle schoolers coming together at camp this weekend. And so uh, my challenge, my ask um, is that you include uh, that whole group of middle schoolers in your prayers this weekend, um, that their time together might be joyful and might be affirming, um, and that they continue to grow in being who God has called them to be. Yes, definitely. And with that, another reminder comes that summer camp is coming. Woo-hoo! It may be 20 degrees outside, but soon it will be be June and campers will be all over. If you have a child that is in the first or 12th grade and you would Love for them to spend a week in spiritual community and God's creation. Send them to Camp Tomashinga. Um, we have registrations open. Um, I've heard a lot of pastors are excited for this summer of camp, and I, I certainly I am. <laughs> am excited. Um, so we have a lot, a lot of fun stuff happening, and we'd love for all of you to be a part of it. Um, but for now, we will see you next week. 